Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Calabrio Shorts. We have a great topic today that we are really really excited to get into because it is something that comes up quite a bit. You know, organizations spend a lot of time uh, working on their quality processes and, and making sure that things go well. But a lot of times before they even get started, one of their primary questions is really how do we create good evaluation questions, right? How do we make sure that we're being objective, but also subjective when we need to and making sure we really hit those. And uh, so, you know, instead of just listening to me ramble all day, our uh, special guest today for Car Calabria Shorts is Therese Fruth. And Therese is a enablement program manager here at Calabrio. And Therese, I know you've spent a lot of your career kind of working in the quality monitoring and QM contact center space. So let me, I'm going to start with a question, but before we do, uh, I'd really love to hear what's your background? Where, how did you get into this uh, magical adventure we call contact centers? Well, Dave, um, like most people, I spent days just dreaming about what my life would be like as a contact center manager, right? Because that is you the too? true dream. Yes, it is the true dream. Um, no, it, it, like most actually, seriously, it did land in my lap very surprisingly. Um, I came from more of a finance background um, and I worked for a school district here in Minnesota and I was doing finance and there came an opportunity to create a 24-7, 365 call center. And I'm like, what the heck is that? Like, <laughs> so, um, but I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm down for it, I'm game. So I jumped in and literally built the call center from the ground up. I had to do, you name it, I had to do it. And then of course, quality became my passion. Um, learning how to um, really motivate my agents and get them on board and help our um, parents with their students. I mean, when you're talking about a huge portion of what we did was transportation related. And when you're talking with parents who are frantic because their little child is two hours late, um, those are some crucial phone calls. And being able to coach agents on how to handle those properly and quickly, but still get to the, you know, where they need to get to was just a great experience. So that's fantastic. And uh, it's good to know that there are people looking out for our kids out there, right? And, and making sure that, you know, the, the school bus drops off every single day in front of my house and I hear it every day and this army and gaggle of kids come out. Uh, <laughs> and it's it's always fun to to kind of see them. Uh, it's, it's funny how much energy they have getting on the bus and then getting off the bus. It's a very different story. But Unless so that's they have another a bunch of sugar on the way home, right? <laughs> right. Which happens after Halloween, for sure, uh, here. So one of the things that we talk about when we get into quality and one of the questions that we hear from a lot of people when they're first really kind of starting to get their journey going is, you know, they're tasked with creating an evaluation form, right? And a lot of people are to the point where they could probably create a pretty basic form, but they want to do it right. Right. And one of the ways to do it right is to really take a look at those questions and make sure that they are appropriate. Now, my question to you is, is what makes an appropriate question? Right. What is what are some of the keys to really creating that that good evaluation question? Absolutely. There are three main things you really need to focus on when you're creating your evaluation forms. Um, and one is, do they relate to your customer success? Right. So you want to make sure the questions you're asking are actually getting to what you're trying to search to see if a customer was happy. So if you're asking questions that don't get to that, that, you know, aren't going to 
measure whether the customer was uh, happy or not, then that was that's one miss. Um, mm-hmm. You also want to make sure that you are relating to the organiz- organizational success. So what's important to my organization? What are the key metrics that they want me to report on? Um, you have to hit all of those elements so that you can report to them on whether um, maybe there is a, a certain measure that needs to be um, taken from your agents. Maybe there is a compliance piece that's important they have to do certain things um and then lastly is do they relate to the agent success and this is my favorite because we're not about an i gotcha um evaluations and quality is not to um penalize an agent it is to raise them up and grow and help them learn and so really you want to be including questions that are going to help them grow within their roles Yeah, so I'm hearing a theme here, right? The theme is really making sure that the the questions match what the organizational goals are. And I think that's great because I think we forget about that a lot. We forget about the the goal of the organization, right? The mission statement of the entire organization is to, you know, deliver this top-notch customer experience effort. And then we get into the questions and there are questions like, you know, uh, if did you say the customer's name 37 times yes. In, in, yes. The, in the call? <laughs> <laughs> and that, that doesn't necessarily lead to the best customer experience, right? And I, I really like that. And the other theme, um, and, and I'll reiterate this, back when, at least when I first started and probably when you were getting getting going in your, uh, in your QM journey, there was a lot of gotcha questions. It, we, we designed questions that looked to really uh, single out the agents and make sure that they were they weren't bad. We, we went aha, you you fell into our trap, kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah, it was, you know, a lot of, I, I remember back when I first was creating them, um, I went about it the wrong way. I mean, I'm going to say, I, and, and I think most of us do when we first create our one, right? I took um, all of the things that my agents were doing incorrectly and built those into my questions because I'm going to correct all this stuff, right? right? And it was silly things like, you know, um, to your point, did it say it so many times, but it was more, did they use the greeting exactly the way I wanted them to greet the customer? Did they use their name? Did they say this? Did they do it in this order? Did they do it? And if they didn't, I was going to mark them off on that. And I was like, finally, I learned. I'm like, where am I getting with this? Right? Like, it is not all about did they do this right? Were they, you know, were they polite? Were, was there good empathy? Was there those were things that were more important than if they actually said, you know, good morning, thank you for calling Minneapolis Public Schools. This is Teresa. How may I help you? I mean, really, did that matter? <laughs> no, and, and, and just, a lot of times you have to stop and think about it as a customer. Do, do I really care if your greeting is different than the next person? No, probably not, right? The, the, the rules of what we have to say on a call usually only fall into a legal spot, right? You have to read a safe harbor statement or you have to read a compliance statement or something like that. And other than that, it's, it's about making sure the customer's experience is matching to the organizational goals. And that's, I think that's a really great thing is uh, ma- the, the verbatim greeting could be one of the most hotly contested QM questions of all time, right? Or the closing. Oh, don't even get me started on repeating the closing exactly. This, the, is there the anything right else I can help you with, Dave? Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know what's funny is it still, it still throws me off when I call a contact center and the and the person asks that question, which is great, right? Is there anything else? And they go, okay, bye. 
And I'm like, oh, you are going to get so knocked off on your QM. And then I remember that that's just the old school way of doing things and not necessarily the new school way, which is great. We're, we're evolving as a QM uh, team. And that's really what I love to hear is that we're spending less time focusing on the agent doing something wrong and more time focusing on the customer getting the experience they need, which is a really, really fantastic piece, right? So let's let's take it from the situation of somebody who's just getting started and creating a form. What, what kind of questions would you kind of start with? And I know it's sometimes they're very industry specific. So, but from a general standpoint, give me an example of what a good question might look like and then maybe what a bad question might look like. Sure. So um, a good question is going to be very specific and direct. And it's usually, I mean, when whenever possible, it's going to have a yes or no. They either did this or they didn't do this. It's going to be easier for your evaluators to um, know if they if they met the standards or didn't. Um, and it's also going to be easier for the agent to know, you know, what is expected of them. Um, and it's going to ask one specific thing. So what I see a lot is like double barrowing where they'll ask a question, but really they want to know the answer to three or four different things so like for example a really bad one would be um did the agent use the right greeting and did they say can i help you and did they you know and so it's got all these things on top of each other and then you're like um well yes but they did it in this order but they didn't do that or you know it makes it really difficult to figure out what the heck how you know how did the agent went. say the did the agent say the greeting correctly and did they have a smile in their voice Right, yes. that's a double barrel question. It is a double barrel question, but that is a very good question The because um, one thing that is in terms of the smile, if I just asked, did the agent sound like they were smiling? Because you can hear a smile through a question um, when someone says it. So I, I, I mean, I would really argue someone who says that they can sound excited and happy with a frown on their face just as much as they can with a smile on their face. So it's not a silly question. Right. Okay. So from a generic customer service standpoint, what are what are some more good questions? Yeah, so you're going to want to make sure that you're touching on um, some of those soft skills, right? So some professionalism skills um, or some things that gain a customer's trust. Um, so, for example, like instead of just saying a bad one would be, did the customer, did the agent use empathy? Well, what the heck does that mean, right? Mm -hmm. um, so a better way to say, did the agent use empathy would be, did the agent listen intently? And did they ask follow up questions or did they, you know, which is a little bit double barreling on there, but it is you want to make sure because one without the other doesn't show that they actually had that empathy. So in some cases, there is a double one. But right. Because, you know, you could be sitting there listening to a call and the agent could show empathy and do nothing about it. Right. And and so that's that's a good example of what's the goal. Right. I can definitely say to you, Teresa, I'm so sorry to hear that you went through that. Okay. Um, any other questions? Right. And it's like, uh, you yeah. could have just, yeah. you could have just asked the next question. It would have been, you know, that that's a good example of those types of things. If I said, uh, instead of asking this, ask this, right. Instead of saying, was the agent nice? Say, did the agent show the appropriate amount of empathy that matched the tone of the call? Did the agent um, show the right level of um, empathy? 
kind of okay. sticking on that empathy thing, right? Well, what is the right level of empathy? Um, instead of saying that, we say, we could say, did the agent convey compassion by responding with courtesy and empathy to the caller's request, right? So it's more specific about how they responded. Were they courteous? Were they this? Were they, you know, um, versus just the right level. The right level is too subjective. It's just, okay. you don't know, you know, what that level is. But um, one way to kind of get around that too, and if you have to have questions like that, um, is to create a standards quality document. Um, I highly suggest that more than like, I mean, that is both within your evaluators and your um, agents who see that, right? So they know that when you do have some of those subjective things where you are asking something where it isn't a yes or no, and there is a level of it, you actually provide examples of what that looks like so you provide a good answer would look like this a great answer would look like this a you know a bad answer would look like this so it takes that um questions out of it that's a uh, that's such a great idea the the standards quality document it's actually kind of like the you know the guidelines to how we answer that question and you know we 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 did an episode on calibrations and calibrations are a really key important part of a good quality program but um this standards document right uh so does that kind of include maybe going down the form and and really hitting each question and kind of just giving some guidance and background to each one yeah, it not only gives the guidance for that, but it really aligns to make sure, um, like we talked about earlier, that those that your form actually aligns back up to the organization's success, that you're touching on all of those KPIs that are important to the organization and you can show why those are important within that. So besides just the question, you can say, you know, we're measuring empathy. Well, why is empathy important? In that document, you actually list why it's important to your organization. Um, and then you show examples of what that's like. That's, so it really breaks it down. That's really great. Um, and, and you know, so for those of you who might be listening, I think that's a really great place to start when you're looking at your questions to make sure that they're, they're appropriate. Because if they're not, you're going to spend four and a half pages explaining to people. And that's a, probably a really good measuring stick as to whether or not it's a good evaluation question or not. Yeah, it also, not only does it do that, it does instill confidence in the whole process, right? So I'll take you back to like when I first started doing the question. Of course, you got to remember that my call center was brand new. The people who took on these roles had other roles within our organization. They, they also too fell into this, oh my gosh, now I'm in a call center and what the heck does this mean, right? Um, and they were being evaluated on all this stuff and told all the things they were doing wrong and all the things that they needed to work on and they didn't understand. And so as soon as I created the quality document that said, here is what we're looking for in a call. This is what we're trying to find. And this is why we're trying to find it. It was like the light bulb went on. It was like, oh, you're not just telling me that I, you know, pardon me, but, you know, suck as a person. Because <laughs> like, yeah. that's what they felt yeah. like. I was you like coming me. at them personally. Yes, that's right. what they, they felt like, you know, they were being attacked. And as soon as they understood the why and what was going on, it was like a whole different, it was just a whole different uh, picture. So, And I'll give you a, a, an anecdote from my background. Um, I worked at a call center where um, instead of creating the quality standards document, what they did was they tried to create the robotic perfect call agent by having upwards of 75 elements on a form. 
and it created, I mean, granted, a lot of people got 100s on their calls, but every call took 22 minutes. And we even, we, this is actually one of my favorite stories. We had one agent um, take the form, go had it laminated, and would sit there with a grease pencil during her calls and check off each form to make sure she managed every single one. Uh, her, she took about seven calls a day. But she made 100s and we said, OK, there's something wrong here. We got to we got to reevaluate this. It was a, it was one of those things that, like you said, early on in our careers, we nobody told us this was a bad idea. And that's what we're trying to do here is maybe give you some of the bad ideas mixed in with the good. Um, now, one thing we haven't touched on really is how important the questions are when it comes to reporting and trending, right? And making sure, um, what are some things that, about making sure that those reports show up the way we want to? You and I just talked about how fun reports are to run. Uh, let's let's talk about QA reports and why the questions are important. Yeah, um, I, you know, I'll kind of go back to what I said before too. Um, the more specific you can get, it's going to help your reporting. Um, and of course, the less questions you can put in the in the actual survey itself is going to help too, right? So, I really recommend keeping your um, forms to less. Tens kind of the magic number, less than 10 sections and less than 10 questions per 10 sections or for each section. Now, typically we like to see maybe a form be around maybe 30 questions at the most um, would be a, you know, a better form size because to your point, when you're running a report, it is way too hard to focus on what needs to be fixed or where do we need to focus our time or where do we need to, you know, what is the things that met that matter most? So you really need to make sure that you're just honing in on those key objectives that are important um, and making them as specific um, as possible so that when you do run those reports, they, they're, they're much easier to be able to track um, you know, the actions or behaviors that you're trying to to capture. Right. Because if you don't have to explain why the last eight months of a trend is happening, that means you have a good question, right? It's it's as if, well, if there's lots of ifs and ifs and maybes and that kind of thing. The other really important thing about building these questions off correctly at the beginning is because you kind of really can't change a mid mid uh, mid trend, can you? It will really throw off your trend reports if you are, you know, we recommend, I mean, obviously you're going to want to revise your, your evaluation forms, like say once a year um, to make sure that they are keeping up, but you don't really want to do it too much more than that. Because yes, to your point, if they completely change, if you add in um, five more questions that weren't there the month before, now you're not, it, you're not comparing apples to apples. You're now comparing, you know, two different things. Um, or to but, trucks or correct, you know, yeah, correct. Yeah. <laughs> but it, but it is important and i know you said you um we're talking about some uh calibration sessions uh before and that's that's really where you can take the time to tweak some of them and it's okay to drop some off if you find out that they're not working as well um you still want you know i mean if it's all garbage 
<laughs> we know that if garbage is in, garbage is coming out. So right. it is good to tweak them. And especially if you've just tried a new form for the first time and it's not working, you know, don't feel like, oh my gosh, I have to be stuck with this form for the next year because, you know, I heard Dave and Therese say that you can't, you can't switch them around too much. When you're first starting, there is going to be some tweaking and it's, that's inevitable. But once you have a solid report of where you want to be, try to keep it as close to that as possible. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're not saying don't change the form or don't change the question. We're saying if something doesn't work, you need to change it, right? And even if that does, but you also have to understand the consequences. If you change the form, it has a pretty decent chance of kind of invalidating your history. And it's hard to see growth or decline over a time period when every month and a half you you keep tweaking the question or changing the meaning, that kind of thing. So we're just saying be careful, that's all. Yeah, it's even more important when you're, if you're using predictive, because if you're using predictive, predictive and you keep tweaking it, it's going to have a harder time understanding where you're going. (laughs) Absolutely. And we'll (laughs) we'll talk about predictive in a a minute. Um, So, you know, I think this has been so great and it's super helpful. And I think a lot of people are really going to benefit from uh, the discussion that we had here today. Um, As kind of is tradition with uh, Collaborative Shorts, we have a guest. I like to give the, uh, the guest the final word here. So what's the final word on creating good evaluation questions from Therese? Um, you know, to be honest, I would really say that it's really thinking about what is behind your question. It's kind of a little play on words there a little bit, but um, really make sure that you're asking um, the what and the why. Those are two major things, right? So what are you trying to measure? What are you trying to look at? What are you trying to improve? What are you trying to whatever it happens to be and why? Um, if If your why is not benefiting the organization or benefiting the agent or benefiting your customer, don't put it in there. You wanna make sure that there's a really good reason why the question is in there, so. That's great. That's I think that's a great kind of uh, final stamp on the discussion here. So uh, I want to first thank you, Therese, for for being a part of this. And this is super informative and helpful for all our Calabrio customers out there. And it's been great. I wanted to mention, you mentioned predictive. If you want more information on predictive evaluations, go to Calabrio.com. There's a lot of great stuff there. But as always, if you want to discuss things like this with any of us, go to Calabrio.com. Let us know. We're happy. We love to have discussions like this. We have tons of people like Therese within the organization that love to talk about these kind of things. So if you have questions that you feel like we can help with, that's what we're here for. And that's why we do this podcast. So Therese, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate the time. Uh, For those of you that are listening, we always appreciate you spending a few minutes of your day with us. Um, And as always, if you have any great ideas about what you'd like to hear next on the Collaborator Shorts podcast, let us know. Uh, Send in that uh, suggestion email. We'll be glad to, uh, to take it under advisement. So Therese, Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Dave. Absolutely. And for those of you out there, have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much from Calabria Shorts. For more information, go to calabrio.com and let us know. We'll be glad to take care of you. As for that, my name is Dave Hookstra. Thanks, everybody. Have a great rest of your day.